I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I am joined by Mile High Report's own Tim Lynch. Thanks for joining me. It's good to be here. So I, I'm a little nervous because if I say the wrong thing, I could get fired. But yeah, I don't. Right. <laughs> but no, uh, if you guys don't already follow Tim on Twitter, go do it. He is at Tim Lynch 1978. Uh, go read his stuff at Mile High Report, obviously. Um, but kind of with that, I, I mean, I think we should just kind of get right into it. We are in the home stretch of the coaching search. Uh, there are three finalists. Uh, those of you listening, if you do not already know this, uh, it is Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator slash Falcons, former head coach, uh, Kevin O'Connell, who is the Rams offensive coordinator and Nathaniel Hackett, who is the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator. Uh, they have already, the, Bron- uh, the Broncos have already interviewed Nathaniel Hackett. The interview went for eight plus hours. Uh, I know today we're recording on Wednesday. Everyone is discussing what they ate. Um, I am not especially worried about what they ate. Uh, although I will say that the, uh, the nachos do look quite good, um, at the restaurant. Uh, but other than that, uh, the other two candidates have not interviewed yet. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, because he is on the Rams and the Rams are in the playoffs, the Broncos cannot interview him until after this coming Sunday. Um, but Dan Quinn scheduled the second interview, but as of now, there, there isn't an, there, they haven't sat down to meet with, uh, between Dan Quinn and George Payton. 
I know speculation is that now that Nathaniel Hackett met first, Dan Quinn is kind of out of the running, which is kind of like the big thing I, I think we should start with just because for most of this process, it looked like a foregone conclusion that it would be Dan Quinn. Maybe not so much anymore. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that everything with the Broncos and Dan Quinn is kind of in limbo until he meets with the Bears. That seems to be the priority interview that that Dan Quinn is focused on right now. Um, And the Broncos meeting with Hackett first could be a signal that that's someone that they're really targeting. Um, And, you know, the just touching on the food thing real quick too, you know, the, yeah. the, the reason that's a big story is it wasn't a steakhouse, which if, if you've been covering the Broncos the last six years, they always take them to, you know, Elway's for that, that nice big steak dinner. So, so, so I want to touch on this just because again, I know people are speculating on what that means. Uh, I know <laughs> that uh, I want to say it was Tyler Columbus, former Bronco. He is on, on the fan. His theory was that uh, by taking him, taking Nathaniel Hackett somewhere other than Elway's, it might actually be like kind of a death knell, like kind of a sign that he's not the candidate. I didn't put that much stock into it. I kind of thought it had more to do with the fact that Nathaniel Hackett may have wanted Mexican food uh, or George Payton. It might. And again, it might have been nothing more than they just felt like getting it. Uh, like, like, let's you know, be honest there. Anytime, if you've ever been in an interview process and you take somebody out, to lunch or something or or you there's always like i'm kind of hungry where do you want to do i feel like you know that's probably how it went down and because it's denver and because elway has a steakhouse mike shanahan has a steakhouse you know steak everybody wants a steak but um you know i i would have picked the place they went to too because you know i i love that kind of food so um but everybody's reading too much into it. That's kind of why I wanted to touch on it. Cause it is a little ridiculous. <laughs> my my, my but, one thing of me reading too much into it might be a sign of Peyton kind of signifying that this is my search and not Elway's. Um, but I agree with you. I think it's more of, they probably asked Nathaniel Hackett, where do you want to eat? And he probably said, well, I'm, I'm in green Bay. Do you guys have any good Mexican food here? And exactly. And they're probably like, yeah, we actually do. Uh, so that's kind of what I assume it is. I'm not, too worried about that part of it uh do you put much stock in the fact that they met for eight plus hours i, I know dnvr's <laughs> andrew mason cut track of the private plane charter uh and yeah, i want to say fun. that that was like nine <laughs> hours uh which is i've never I think... been in a nine hour interview uh I've, I've been in some long interviews but never like that um i know there was theories that they were like playing cards and all sorts of oh, I think... stuff but you know this Fortunately, as somebody, you know, we cover the Broncos, so we're we're covering these coaching hires every couple of years now, and um, it it kind of feels like that second interview is has a lot to do with, you know, what it going in depth into what your plan, what what the guy's plan is. You know, there's a lot of rabbit hole rabbit holes you can go down there's a lot of discussions that go in a different all different directions i don't see why meeting all day for a job as important as the head coaching job of of one of 32 nfl franchises wouldn't take you know a majority of a business day so you know i I don't i'm not reading too much into it i would expect second interviews for for other uh, candidates to last just as long but i'm sure if you know 
McConnell comes to town and that interview lasts six hours and it's not quite nine hours. Oh, I mean, he must be out. And you know, there'll be that kind of drama too. It depends but where do you go to really, eat? Yeah. Yeah. Where they eat is what decides, but that that's not what, that's not what at all, what, how it's going to play out. But you know, I mean, I think the, the problem I'm having right now is, and it's league wide. It's not just the Broncos is this process is getting dragged out for yeah. weeks. Whereas it, before the rules changed to what you, who you could interview and stuff, it, it was like, boom, you got hiring days within firings, you know? Yep. And this is a completely, it's just, it's new. It's going to be a while to get used to that. So I'm sitting here just like, man, it's been, we haven't had a head coach in like almost a month. What what the heck? <laughs> but that's just every team's like that. Only a few teams have actually gone the old direction of just finding a guy and hiring him as soon as possible. And and, and and I think that's uh so to your point, first of all, I do think that the nine hours is not as huge a deal as it was made out to be. I don't think it means that Hackett's a foregone conclusion. Just because and again, hardly the same, obviously. But I have had podcasts with guests where we talk for two and a half hours talking football and I'm not trying to find out what they're going to do to run my football team. Uh, so I think like if George Payne is meticulous as all reports signal, you know, suggest he is like, you're probably getting into the nitty gritty about scheme, your vision for philosophy, like, each, each position yeah. group. Like you might be yep. digging into all of that as well as what are we doing schematically and what does that mean for our draft process? And I think that's something we're yep. going to touch on in a minute. But I, but I don't, I'm not surprised that Nathaniel Hackett, a meeting like that would take a long time because George Payton probably knows this is probably my one hire in Denver. Well, that, you know, you, you saw from his first draft that, you know, Vic Fangio's fingerprints are all over it. You knew, yeah. Pey Payton knew who he needed a draft to fit what Fangio was trying to do. And, you know, if I was, if I was in his position, this hire, obviously, leadership is the the acronym being used, but he has to find somebody that's going to fit with what they have and that they can build on. Yep. And that that could be why Dan Quinn, you know, he's looking at other options and why they haven't scheduled the second interview and why he doesn't seem to be the top candidate all of a sudden. You know, he's he's like traditionally a four three guy, right? And there's going to be a lot of a lot of changes. And how does that affect the personnel the Broncos have built around? You know, you're going to see a lot of guys become less useful. You know, I don't know. There's, there could be, that could be an important factor as well on top of leadership. But, um, you know, we, we will never know because they never, you know, release the minutes of the meetings, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other, the other part of that is uh, the fact that Dan Quinn scheduled a second interview, but hasn't shown up yet. It seems like that is pretty significant considering the fact that he was basically by all reports, local and national, uh, basically that he's, be the been front the, runner. he's been the front runner. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, everything I had heard up to this point was basically, it was kind of a foregone conclusion because he's known Peyton so long. They, they basically wanted to work together all this time, all that stuff. The fact that it, the fact that it's kind of getting thrown on its head is a good sign to me. First of all, not necessarily, I don't have anything against Quinn. He's not my first choice. I will admit that. But but you look at his resume, I can see why Peyton would want to work with him. And I also think given the importance and the stress of relationship building in this job, 
I, I don't hate the idea of working with somebody, you know, my biggest concern in this whole process has been if you're going into this set on somebody, are you really being exhaustive in your search? And, and as of at this point, and, and you touched on this, it's starting to look like, yes, they're definitely, definitely exhausted. They interviewed 10 candidates. They have three finalists and it looks like Peyton is willing to wait out the Rams uh, to meet with all three yeah. candidates. And I know there there's been people reaching out to me who are concerned about what that means because of the senior bowl and scouting and stuff like yeah. that. Um, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about, I think there's some overlap in what the Broncos are looking for in a coach in terms of like scheme. Um, you touched on Dan Quinn with the four, three. I think that's a good point to start with just because Dan Quinn is actually probably the farthest jump from what the Broncos are already doing. Uh, just in per in terms of like four, three versus three, four. Um, the good news is Dan Quinn has used a lot of nickel. Uh, they only actually use like a hundred or so snaps of four, three, like base personnel last year with the Cowboys, mostly nickel. But prior to that, with the Falcons, he did run quite a bit of four, three, uh, looking at some of his stuff and then talking to a few people who've covered him and like actually really studied his scheme. It would be a pretty big adjustment in terms of the front. Uh, the Broncos would move towards less, uh, gap and a half scheme, which is like quote unquote, like two gapping as we know it, like where defensive linemen are kind of responsible for two spots. That would happen less under Dan Quinn. The other thing is they would be moving towards more of a bear front uh, for rundowns where they bring people up to crowd the line of scrimmage and just take it. They take over every gap. Uh, whereas with Fangio, they used a lot of light boxes. So like five or six people in the box. And that led to Fangio kind of seeding run plays sometimes because they're trying to bait teams into running too much. Uh, but the bigger shift in my mind from what I was, you know, from what I've kind of looked, dug into coverage wise, uh, Everything Dan Quinn's run basically since 2000, I want to say since 2014 or since, you know, getting back to Seattle, it's a lot of Seattle Seahawks type defense. It's cover three, a lot of cover three. It's a lot of three match, which is a, a man version of cover three, essentially like the simplistic version of that um, cover one. It's also a lot more single high shell, which means there's more safety sitting back just one. And then the other safety is being down the box as like an extra linebacker. We saw a lot of that with Vance Joseph. Uh, so, so it's not, you know, altogether a huge shift, but it is quite a bit different than what we saw with Fangio because Fangio's defense will have two, two safeties over the top and try and keep a cap over a defense to prevent big plays. Dan Quinn's more about creating big plays himself. And if, if they give up a few, they give up a few. So those kind of things are big shifts. And I do think that that would mean a pretty big change on defense. Me and AJ have talked about it last week. So if you guys wanted to hear more of that, I won't bog you guys down. I won't make you go through that again, Tim. But but I do think that that would be a pretty noticeable change. Uh, offensively, Danquist's a bit of a wild card just because obviously he's a defensive head coach. But if we look at what he did with the Falcons, they started with Kyle Shanahan. But then after Kyle Shanahan left, Dan Quinn had his next two coordinators actually run and blend versions of their offense into what Kyle Shanahan ran. So I, I would assume that a Dan Quinn hire means that the Broncos would still be trying to find somebody to run that def or that offense. Um, and that kind of fits into what the other two candidates do as well. Yeah. I mean, I, as far as Nathaniel Hackett, you know, obviously he'll always be tied to Aaron Rodgers in that situation. Um, but I also have a feeling that if they go with Hackett, the offensive coordinator is going to be Getzey 
who they also interviewed. And I have a feeling those two are kind of a package deal in that regard. But a lot of that is going to weigh on Aaron Rodgers, you know, because if, if you're going to bring over Aaron Rodgers, it would make sense to bring his offense with him, you know. So I, I like that because I, I need a break from our quarterback situation. Just give me a two, three year break, please. And we'll go back to the quarterback graphic, you know, in 2025 or whatever. But um, the the dark horse for me is um, the guy that the Broncos are waiting on. McConnell. And McConnell. Yeah. And I feel like him, he would bring. I like my uh, I like Sean McVay's uh, coaching. I like his offense. I like his tree, his coaching tree. I like everything about him. So it'd be great to see um, that style of thinking. In a lot of ways, it makes me feel like we'd be trading in the NFL's top defensive mind in Vic Fangio for a version of the top offensive mind in Sean McVay with, with Kevin O'Connell. And, and I would be okay with that. Cause if I mean the results on offense are clear, you know, this, they suck and it sucks. It sucked for a long time. So, you know, they can win. They won with Jared Goff who yeah. looked horrible without Sean McVay this year. Horrible. And then Matt Stafford comes over. It's just like, yeah, we're going to go win a Super Bowl. <laughs> so it's just like, I, w- I would love to see that in Denver. I don't think I'd be sad if if they decided to go with Kevin O'Connell. I actually think he's a dark horse candidate. Um, but if they somehow on they somehow back channel word that, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is coming and they're going to go with Hackett, I ain't going to be sorry about that either. So, <laughs> But if they hire Hackett and Getsy and don't get Rodgers, I'm probably going to need to dig a little deeper in what the hell they're all about. Cause <laughs> all I see is just Aaron Rodgers when I see those guys. So that's just me being a fan, you know, um, just, you can't, you can't not see the tie with those two guys. It just can't. No, it's the, I mean, and for Broncos fans who have sat through the last six years of the QB carousel, that looks like, you know, the solution to the misery that we've dealt with now for six years. So I get it. Um, and then that's actually, there's been a debate going on about if the Broncos should even pursue Aaron Rodgers, And I think it's, I think it's a little ridiculous. I get the cost aspect of it. I really do. Um, I, I understand if you're, if you're hesitant because of the cost, I understand if you're hesitant because of the off field stuff, or if you're hesitant because of his age. So here, but my question thing. is always, what's the alternative? So here's the thing. I'm in a, a pretty large Facebook group, right? Yeah. And, I'm an admin in there and sometimes I wish I wasn't. And this whole anti Aaron Rodgers movement, I just, I've gotten to the point where I just troll the shit out of them. Cause I just can't, I can't take it anymore. I cannot take it. Like, what are you arguing for? You're arguing for the last six years. Like there are actually people out there that still think Drew Locke is going to one day be better than Aaron Rodgers. Like, the dude's entering his fourth year. Like, how long do you need to develop a guy before he plays well? I, I, I like Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke's a nice guy. I just don't think he's a starting NFL quarterback. So just look. And you're arguing for him over Aaron Rodgers and, like, thinking that this makes perfectly good sense. Like, well, 
I got to get off Facebook. I, I just, that's, that's, you know, I just can't, I can't be on there anymore. I, well, I'm getting to the point where I only troll like, I, okay. Nine of my last 10 comments on that group for on Aaron Rodgers posts have been, Oh yeah. Rogers sucks. It's drew locks goaded. We got to, you know, they're just, they're, they're troll comments and people actually like it and agree with me. Some do think realize I'm being sarcastic, but it's just, Oh man, I'm off on a tangent. You just you you you're hitting a you're hitting a nerve talking about the people that don't want Rogers. Like yeah. I get it. I get what you're saying from a cost standpoint, his age, and you know, I personally would prefer Russell Wilson over Rogers because Wilson's got a solid seven eight years left in him, maybe, and Rogers would have to play and to Tom Brady's age to reach that. And you know, I don't. Brady's Brady, you know, he, yeah. he, he nobody's going to match that. So, well, you know, we're looking at maybe three years, I think, it, it, realistically, three years with Rodgers. And I'll trade three first round picks for that. You know, sign me up. Well, my, they're going to be basically second round picks anyway, because we'll be picking in the 30s at least. In my my argument with I, 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 I'm not taking a lot of time with Russell Wilson yet, just because I still have a hard time believing the Seahawks are going to trade him. Just because the reports out of Seattle is basically that they don't want to deal him, even if Russell Wilson wants to go. So yeah, and, they, and, it'd be and, idiotic to do it. <laughs> and, and the reports, the reports, kind of centering on Russell Wilson is so much like he's feeling it out, or he's he's just exploring his options. And it's like if Russell Wilson is not going to say trade me, they are probably not going to trade him. So like to me, I, I don't want to seems like a guy. Up. He seems like a guy that would want a big market too. And not a Denver size market. He'd want a New York, uh, you know, a Los Angeles, some some big market, big spotlight kind of kind of deal. Well, in the which... the no the no trade clause stuff last year did hint at that. Uh, it was Dallas, Chicago, New Orleans, and Las Vegas. Uh, and Las his Vegas, yeah. and his wife is a a performer, like she is a celebrity. So that could be a part of it. Uh, also. And this is kind of going down a tangent. I'm not necessarily certain that Russell Wilson's going to play seven, eight years at an elite level either, just based on what we've seen. Not necessarily just the injury, but just kind of his decline over the last half of 2020 into this year. But that again, that's another. That's an. We'll, we'll discuss that if it becomes you know. A real and that could be that could be a larger issue with the Seahawks too. Yes. I think that whole franchise is is kind be. of degrading but that but that's one of those things like i think like if if russell wilson does become available and we know it at that point i'll start to like really dig into that to kind of try and weigh that part out um but beyond, I, I think it's Aaron. i do think it's aaron Rodgers or bust for the broncos it does and, look like it yeah i don't obviously deshaun watson's out there but I, I don't think the broncos without an owner will even approach that that situation um you, you need an owner to sign off on that and with the broncos going up for sale there's just no way uh, pay, uh, George Payton will, you know, pursue that. I just, no way in, in my mind anyway. Uh, so, so regarding what you said though, about Nathaniel Hackett, if, if the Broncos hire Nathaniel Hackett, um, and, and again, let's assume that Luke Getzey comes along, but say Aaron Rodgers does not, uh, the one thing I like about Nathaniel Hackett, and this is honestly one of the things I really like about Kevin O'Connell as well. And this is why I, I see this over overriding trend between these two. They both come from a McVay, either a McVay offense or a variant slash like evolution down from a McVay offense. Uh, Matt LaFleur was a part of the McVay tree, then left for Green Bay. 
Uh, the cool thing with this scheme, and again, like those of you who watched Mike Shanahan and then Gary Kubiak, a lot of you probably remember it makes average quarterbacks look pretty good and it makes good quarterbacks look pretty damn great. Uh, and that's kind of happening around the league at this point. Gary Kubiak did that with the Vikings. Kevin St- uh, Stefanski is doing that with the Browns. He's made Baker Mayfield look a lot better than he really is because the I offense mean, helps. Keep it Broncos centric. Uh, Rich Scangarello kind of did that with Drew Locke in his final and, five games, you and, know, and, and that's what's created this Drew Locke mania. And really, it's just the scheme was making him look better than he was. Well, and, and Pat Shermer's a guy that's like he'll 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 keep hammering a, a square peg into a round hole till he's in, you know until his till the end of time. So you know that that was never going to work out without an elite quarterback. And that's one of those things too, where if, if the Broncos don't get Aaron Rodgers, and again, I have a hard time seeing this just because I don't think George Payne is going to go into this season with drew lock and random competition again, just because with a new owner coming on, if he does that and it fails, he's out of a job. Like that's my theory. Uh, but if the Broncos do hold on to drew lock and they're going towards a Nathaniel Hackett and, or Kevin O'Connell offense, it's probably going to be better for Julak. He will probably look better than he did under Pat Shermer. And I do like that because that was one of my big complaints when they, they moved away from Rich Gangrel to begin with. Um, one of the original episodes of cover two Broncos actually is basically that they drafted Julak for a Shanahan offense. And then you're moving him away from a Shanahan offense. It didn't make a lot of sense at the time. And we obviously saw how it worked out. I don't necessarily think that that means that Drew Locke is suddenly going to become Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I do think those of you out there who believe that probably need to put down the Kool-Aid. Um, I understand. Set yourself up for disappointment. <laughs> and, and again, I'm not trying to hate on him. It's just, it just doesn't look likely at this point. It's a, but that said, um, if the Broncos do move towards a Nathaniel Hackett or a Kevin O'Connell offense, I do think there are pretty significant changes that are going to occur as part of that. Uh, I went and looked at the, so Nathaniel Hackett's interesting. Well, I'll, I'll start there. Nathaniel Hackett's interesting because he's been an offensive coordinator and play caller four times in his career, three times in the NFL, once in college, uh, once at Syracuse, his offense at Syracuse is kind of an outlier. Um, and I think it kind of reflects the idea that he will adapt to his personnel. And that's my hope. Um, because the Syracuse offense was a lot more spread concepts. And that makes a lot of sense because in college, that's what works. Uh, but when he's been in the league, his offenses tend to run a lot of zone. Uh, it's either outside zone or inside zone with the Packers. Their offense is based around running outside zone mixed with a little bit of inside zone and a little bit of duo um, to kind of like counteract teams over playing outside zone. Uh, back when he was with the Jaguars, it was a lot more inside zone, which made sense given the fact that they had Leonard Fournette. Um, but that's quite a bit different than what we saw with Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer did run on inside zone, but he mixed it with a little bit of everything. And that might've been partly because of Mike Munchak, but you look at the Broncos personnel, uh, Javante Williams is at his best in a gap scheme. They, if they're running more outside zone, that would actually be a big adjustment for him. Uh, the other players that it might be pretty big for is Dalton Reiser and Quinn Miners. Uh, they were both drafted in Natani Muti, honestly, too. Uh, all three of them were drafted in, in part because of their fit and ability to create vertical displacement. And that's something that you do uh, more in gap scheme than uh, zone scheme. In zone scheme, the primary goal is to create horizontal displacement. 
moving horizontally, getting the defense to over pursue. And then the running back finds the cutback lane or finds, you know, where the hole is, where they're overplaying. Um, and then the other thing is Dalton Reisner specifically, Dalton Reisner's best trait that he's brought to the Broncos the last two years is the fact that he's really good as a lead puller. That shows up on power. That shows up on counter. That's not necessarily something you're going to see very much of if the Broncos are running more outside zone. Uh, so I do wonder how what that would mean for his future. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the idea that you're saying hack it tends to adjust his scheme to fit the players. Yeah. Um, and I, I assume O'Connell probably does the same uh, because that's a very shanty type type thing. You know, he, he mm -hmm. adjust, you adjust to what the, the players that you have. And that's one thing Pat Shermer never did. So um, it'll be a, it'll be a nice change for sure. You know, no, I will miss the fake jet sweep to uh, Jerry Judy though. Uh, oh no, you won't. So, so here's another fun part about the uh, the Nathaniel. And again, this is assuming that Nathaniel Hackett's offense is going to run. If if he's hired, it's assuming that it's off. His offense is going to look kind of like what the Packers have been doing. Um, and again, there's no guarantee that's the case because he's not the primary play caller. But if it does look like the Packers' offense, the Packers use jet sweeps. They're, they're they not use going, them. Yes, they, they use, use them. them. That's the difference. Yeah, I, I, I know. I I want to see a jet sweep. But all I saw were fake jet sweeps all yeah. year long. So I, I don't I don't know what one looks like. I just want to see it, you know? Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> uh, the other thing that's interesting to me about the Nathaniel Hackett offense, and again, assuming it's going to look kind of like what we've seen, uh, it will probably mean more 12 personnel, which could be good for the Broncos since they have Nathaniel or they have Noah Fant and Albert O. Uh, I also think that they might end up going back to wanting a fullback. Uh, just because the Packers aren't afraid of going heavy, uh, 22 personnel with a fullback and just like trying to batter it down your throat. Uh, they, they moved away from it a little bit this year, but that was something that they did, uh, the last two years, uh, kind of like the bummer of the Andy Janovich trade is that the Broncos have Andrew Beck, but Andrew Beck is, he's a tight end who can play fullback. He's not necessarily ideally suited to be a lead blocker. Uh, so they will probably end up acquiring one. The good news is fullbacks aren't so hard to find that you can't take one, you know, the last round of the draft, but that is something that would be an adjustment. If a Nathaniel Hackett hire comes in and runs that offense. So just something to kind of keep an eye out for. Yeah. Well, I mean, either one of these guys, if they get hired, the big question is, you know, what happens to the defense? Yes. And, you know, one thing I noticed is, there's a lot of defensive coordinators out there that haven't haven't had any interviews or anything like that. And I think that's because nobody's hiring a head coach and you need a head coach to hire these coordinators. So um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering who's out there, who's available, you know, my, 
I would love to bring Fangio back as a defensive coordinator, but that's just not how things work. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, Ed Donatello would be nice to keep around, but it's he's already had uh, a team reach out to him for a coordinator position uh, interview. You know, it just the one thing we never had to worry about with Fangio was the defense did its job. This, the yes. problem is the offense couldn't score more than 16 points a game. And, and you know, it, it, no team, the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, with Patrick Mahomes, I think. So Fangio was played, played them six times in, the last, in three years. I believe Mahomes it has something like two out of his three lowest scoring games or three out of four of his lowest scoring games were against Vic Fangio's Broncos. Yep. Obviously Denver lost all, all of them because they can't score any points, but you know, if you could keep Mahomes to 20 points a game and you got Aaron Rodgers, that's a winnable game, you know, or if you got a competent offense at all, you know, so it's just, I hate to lose that. And I know we're going to lose it. You know, no matter who who gets hired in in place of Fangio, and and that's one of those things. And he what, worked wonders in 2021. I don't know how many different. I mean, I would guys say he had starting 2019 too. Because uh, I mean, in 2019, he lost Bradley Chubb, and outside of Von Miller, the Broncos' best edge front or edge player was Shelby Harris. After Shelby Harris, you had a lot. Well, of I mean, they didn't even have. They didn't even have a pass rush this year yeah. and they still led the league in defensive scoring. I don't know how many different linebackers started, how many different corners, how many, they just, he, we've had, they had to have had 20 plus different starters on defense. I don't yes. know the exact number, yeah. no but doubt. it was insanely high. And to then still lead the league in defense, you know, in, in points allowed. Um, I mean, that was just, incredible and obviously you're at seven and six you, you're in position to make the a playoff push and you lose out i mean that's a that's a firing you know that's a firing end into a season so but i don't see how you're going to replace that um unless you can get your team to stay healthy <laughs> but they lost a lot of guys and fangio kept that kept that shit together i was impressed and and i'll miss that and i know i i get why he was fired it's totally legitimate you know three losing seasons you know 19 and was he 19 and 30 record or something um you know that the fact is is he had no quarterback and he made the critical mistake of hiring pat Shermer, who we're starting to hear we're, we're starting to hear rumors and leaks that he was not well liked inside that building so you know that 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 shit will come out for sure so mm -hmm. it's just it's just disappointing and this team it continues to be a quarterback away people could talk about coaching they could talk about offensive coordinators they could talk about edge rushers or whatever until you get a damn quarterback worth anything it's it's going to be the same story every year. It really is. You could coach yourself to 10, 11 wins with with poor quarterback play, but that's not a sustained. Just look at the Vikings. You know, they had Case Keenum. They had that wonderful year, right? And then, you know, they get Kirk Cousins, but they really haven't done anything. It's like, you, you I don't know. 
it's frustrating. I'm tired of it. Six years. Give me a two or three year break. Here's your three first round picks, Green Bay. Give, give me Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> well, and that's so the way I've been trying to look at this whole coaching search, because I agree with you, uh, unless George Payton gives any of these guys a quarterback, it really doesn't matter who he hires. Uh, it really but, doesn't. but on the other side of it, we know based on everything that was coming out last year that George Payton is going to look under every single stone to try and find a quarterback. So I am, I'm kind of like approaching this from a mental space of if they find Aaron Rodgers or if they get a guy, because it, cause if that's the goal for this off season, at some point they're going to try and get a guy. Well, then what do they need to compete? And if that coach, like in my mind, does that coach close the gaps or kind of give them the edges yeah. in areas? And that's why I like Nathaniel Hackett, just because if you're going to make a trade for Aaron Rodgers it makes sense to bring in the guy that can run the offense that got the most out of him. And I understand that LaFleur was the play caller, but since Nathaniel Hackett was hired as their offensive coordinator in 2019, Aaron Rodgers has improved. Like his production has gone up quite a bit. Uh, I have a graph on Twitter. I'm not going to get into it, but like EPA DVOA, his set, like there's a reason he won MVPs last year and he's probably going to win one this year. Nathaniel Hackett had a play in that. I understand that it's easier when you have a Hall of Fame type quarterback, but he also squeezed a lot out of Blake Bortles. And when he was with the Bills, he was dealing with EJ Manuel, who was essentially a first round bust for one year. And then they brought in Kyle Orton, basically who was going to retire. They brought him in at the end of a preseason. And he went, I want to say he went seven and five, which isn't bad for Kyle Orton. Like, I'll take that. Um, so like there's, there's signs that he can get something out of a quarterback. And if the Broncos are going to make the trade for Aaron Rodgers, and again, it's a big if, but if they're going to the Super Bowl window opens immediately, like you have to be able yeah. to win and win big right away. And, and they have, have a roster it, for that. And they have a roster for that on offense. I want to say, because that's where the big questions start to crop up with Hackett and O'Connell. Uh, if you hire Hackett, what are they doing on defense? And, and we don't know. And that's one of those things where it's kind of a trust and Peyton type situation right now, just because he's in those nine hour interviews. He's actually yep. hearing what Nathaniel Hackett has planned for the and, defense. Uh, I know Mike Zimmer kind of looms out there as somebody who could be a potential fit just because Peyton knows him. It's just, you know, speculation at this point, but also Wink Martindale's out there. I know that Broncos fans might remember him from the McDaniels era. But he's been a pretty good coordinator, and his defense fits parts of what the Broncos already have in place. So that could make sense. Ed Donatel retaining him could make sense if that's what they want to do. The one question I have with that is he hasn't been a primary play caller for a while. Uh, but all of them make sense. There's options out there on defense. Yeah. And, you know, the touching on a point about the quarterback, you know, uh, Teddy Bridgewater was as divisive of a quarterback with this fan base as any quarterback they've signed in the off season or whatever, since Peyton Manning, he was more you know, controversial than retired. Joe Flacco. I don't understand how that's the thing. I don't, it is. And, and the irony, well, the irony with that is he was by far and away the best quarterback to have started a uh, game for the Broncos since yes. Peyton Manning. Like there's no, there's no, not even a debate. Um, if he had had a coordinator that was half as salt at just calling plays that works. You know, Pat Shermer sucks. I don't know how this guy stays employed, but if they, he'd gotten somebody that could adjust a game plan and focus on the strengths, I, Teddy Bridgewater could have won more games this year. And 
he didn't make mistakes. He's safe. You know, that he, all the criticism he gets about being boring and safe are true. You know, I would love to see him push the ball further down the field and take some chances, but I don't know if he has the arm for that. Um, but even under Shermer, he finished with the best quarterbacking Denver seen since Peyton Manning. Yes. And second best would be Trevor Simeon. I mean, he's pretty close. And Trevor uh, Simeon had the no fly, like the second year of the no fly zone, his first year. And yeah. I think that's yeah. important. Like, and if, he completely if, flamed out by year two. You know, it was a complete disaster in 2017. But if Teddy Bridgewater, because that's the other part of this, let's say Aaron Rodgers doesn't come. Like they don't get that's him. what I was. That's why I brought him at up. At that point, it, at that point, you're looking at, you know, the free agent class is pretty underwhelming. I've already written about it once, but it's it's like essentially Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton and Teddy Bridgewater, are the three best names in free agency. Uh, Nine News is not, uh, Mike Kliss has reported that the Broncos would probably be involved in a trade. So that means you're looking at Kirk Cousins or Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo G. as like yep. the best case options. And. I understand the appeal of a Jimmy Garoppolo if you're running a Shanahan style offense, but he can't stay healthy. So I am very wary of him. He also throws He throws a lot of red zone interceptions. Yes. A lot. It's I'm I'm from California, so I have a lot of 49er fan family. And I hear about Jimmy G a lot. So <laughs> um and it's like you know, the last five years, I'd be like, I'll take Jimmy G. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get that. But he's he's like a QB wins guy. He's one of those guys that you look yeah. at his win record. And if he was traded for, that would be what we're going to hear about. Is like, oh, he's done this. He's He took his team to the Super Bowl. It's like, did he take them Twice. there? Did he take them there? Or was he carried there? And that's and that's the real question. Um, But, but if again, if the Broncos don't get Aaron Rodgers, I do see those guys as potential options. This draft class is very underwhelming. I know I've talked about this on on here before, but drafting a rookie this year is probably not going to be a dramatic improvement at the position. You would draft a quarterback with the hope that he'll develop over time. Um, so like that, we all that know does, how that goes. Yeah, and that's well. And the big thing is if Peyton is looking to make a hire to try and win right away because he has a new owner, the rookie class doesn't make a lot of sense unless it's to eventually take over for whatever veteran he trades for. Now, if, if Peyton somehow secures Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he will in one stroke secure his job for at least a decade, maybe half decade, at least up to a decade because the new owner is going to come in and the Broncos are going to instantly be the hottest team in the league competing for Super Bowl. It's going to be, you know, that first impression for the new owner is going to be all good, you know, <laughs> and that's important. You know, if you want to keep your job, you got to win. But also it's also setting off on the right foot buys you a lot more time than stumbling into a relationship, you know, half drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, getting that quarterback, getting Aaron Rodgers, I think Peyton deep down probably knows how important it is to just because the new owner is going to come into play this year at some point. Um, and you're going to want a lot of positive press, <laughs> and a lot of optimism, a lot of hype. You're going to want all of that around the team because you want the new owner to come in and have those good vibes. Um, conversely, the second things turn south, you know, that owner might not have a patient bone. <laughs> so it's, 
Oh, the new owner thing, man. That's a whole other can of worms. But that's the other part of this Dan Quinn. So going back to the coaching stuff, Dan Quinn looms as he was the favorite. Like he, you know, he was the favorite up until Monday. And then all of a sudden he wasn't because Nathaniel Hackett's interview went really long. So the question becomes, well, if Dan Quinn interviews and he interviews for nine hours, is he back to being the favorite? Because Pro Football Network's Aaron Wilson has reported that George Payton will advocate for him to get the job. And again, that's, you know, whether you believe Aaron Wilson or not, that's up to you, but that's out there. Uh, My question is, and this is what I've been wondering with the whole Chicago thing. If you're Dan Quinn and you look at the Broncos, and again, uh, unless you assume and know that you're getting Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, but if you look at the Broncos and then you look at the Bears... The big, the big selling point for the Broncos, unless you know Aaron Rodgers is coming, is George Payton. Because the Broncos do not have an owner. They do not have a quarterback. And they're in the hardest division in football outside of maybe the NFC West. Yeah, and then the Bears, you got the Packers who might not have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so, and the rebuilding you know, and Vikings, the Vikings and the rebuilding are in Lions. shambles. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings are in shambles. And you got the Lions, you'll just be the Lions. But so, yeah, you got Justin Fields and, and the Bears that... I could see why that, how things shifted kind of late last week up to the Monday scheduled interview where Quinn suddenly became less. So the thing about the Broncos, the Broncos coverage here locally is they tend to telegraph very easily who is the primary target. And that telegraphing shifted rapidly from Dan Quinn to Nathaniel Hackett before before even the nine hour interview, all that did was set off a flurry of, oh, it's this guy now, we know it. And it's just, but even before that, over the weekend, it was when they scheduled the interview, like, well, where's Dan Quinn? And you could just feel that things were shifting away from Dan Quinn. Um, but now he has the second interview scheduled, but now it's been three days. We still don't have a date. That's just weird. It is a weird situation. You know? And it just makes me think that the that Quinn's all in on the Bears right now, and if the well, Bears offer him something, he's taking it. So well, and if you're Dan Quinn, if if you went into this thinking you probably have the job, that's one thing. But then all of a sudden, if it looks like you're one of the candidates, but Dan Quinn has <clears throat> wanted ba- like he's interviewed with almost everybody. Like there's nine head coach openings. I want to say he's interviewed with at least five of them. Uh, so for him, like he has his pick of options outside of Denver. And if Denver doesn't want him, this is his probably his one last chance to be a head coach because everything that went down with the Falcons. So if you're Dan Quinn, you probably want some degree of stability above you unless you really trust George Payton and or an Aaron Rodgers trade. So looking at the Bears, if you're somebody, and again, I'm not trying to, a lot of Broncos fans hate Justin Fields either because they didn't like him coming out, which seems to be a small part of this, or a lot of them want to hate Justin Fields because the Broncos didn't take him. Uh, but but if you're a coach and you're looking at Justin Fields and you didn't mind him coming out and you believe that you can fix him after what he showed as a rookie, you already have your quarterback. And at that point, the Bears have, I want to say, $30 million in cap space. They have the means to create a lot more pretty easily. There's a couple of releases they could do and they would open up, I want to say, close to like $48 million in cap space. And they already have 48 players under contract. So like they're not desperate to fill out their roster. They can they can add pieces they want to add around fields. And, and they're also on Russell Wilson's shortlist. And they're on Russell Wilson's shortlist. 
And if if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, the NFC North is wide open. Yeah. So if you're Dan Quinn, like that might be a really appealing situation, especially when they have an owner already in place and the McCaskies basically stay out of the way. They hire their GM and then they let their GM, and their coach do their thing. And the bears have never fired a coach in season. Yeah. So, so I can understand why Dan Quinn may not be interested in the Broncos. If the Broncos aren't like head over heels for him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I mean, out of the three, quote, finalists, he was at the bottom of my list, so Same. I'm not shedding any well, tears. Um, I've gone back and forth on it, but yeah, I, I can talk myself out of him pretty easily. I mean, I, my favorite would be Nathaniel Hackett with the caveat, if they trade for Aaron Rodgers, if they don't, uh, my favorite, it would be Kevin O'Connell. But, you know, it's hard. You can't – the Rodgers trade didn't happen in this week, so it's yeah. like – you're just going to have to hire a guy, and that's who that's who you got. So, and, you know. And, and, and so as far as O'Connell goes, I want to touch on him a little bit just before I let you go because I know I'm keeping you. Kevin O'Connell, like like I mentioned with Nathaniel Hackett, Kevin O'Connell's offense is, again, based on you know what we've seen with McVay because he was not a primary play caller in Los Angeles, and he's not he was not the official play caller in Washington. So he we have no record of him actually being the play caller. Um that said, well, he are... wouldn't be playing. He wouldn't be calling plays for Denver either. So no, no, no. But but I and, and that's a good point. But I want to say like having an offensive coordinator be the play caller, it gives you an idea of what they're looking for philosophically. Because you know us on the outside, we don't we don't get to see what they're saying. So to see what they've been already running gives us an idea of what they like to do, or at least like where it, their it, roots are and how they kind of show up. And that's why with mix... Nathaniel, I just want to say that's why with Nathaniel Hackett, the fact that he's been a coordinator four times it does give us a hint that he is a he will adapt well with with o'connell it makes me think that maybe mike mcdaniel might be kind of in play um from the i think 49ers. he could be for either to be honest for i'm talking for like the, the office of coordinator as yeah, a play yeah, caller. yeah yeah he could be in play for either but i have feeling it feels like gets would be more likely to come with hackett um just because they have a close relationship and of the Aaron Rodgers relationships. There are reports that basically, and I want to say this was from the, Oh gosh, I don't have his name. Um, he works for the associate press, but he talked to the Denver Broncos main site about how McVay has come out and said that O'Connell does have his hands in basically everything that they do offensively. Um, so what that means kind of knowing what I know about the Rams offense, again, a lot of outside zone, they run three receiver sets uh, a lot, like 75-ish percent of the time. And that would probably be something that they do with Denver because Denver has a really good three receiver set. Uh, the other thing is they'll run more bent bunch sets than we already have seen, which could be good because that would create situations where Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton can do more as blockers. Uh, but yeah, outside zone, inside zone kind of off of that. And then duo, um, some outside zone run back um, and then jet sweep stuff as you, <laughs> yeah a little bit uh 
West Coast passing <laughs> offense for the most part. But then uh, one of the big shifts that one of the big shifts that the Rams went through this year with Stafford is they moved towards a lot more empty sets. Uh, that was something that Drew Locke really struggled with in 2020. Um, I don't think they're making this higher with Drew Locke in mind, but it's just something to keep note of. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I think O'Connell makes a lot of sense. If you if you know you're not getting Aaron Rodgers or you don't know if you're getting Aaron Rodgers and you're looking at like from a win from now on type standpoint, if you if you believe in him and you know going through the interview, you're going to get a lot more than we have on the outside. But if you go through the interview with O'Connell and you feel really good about him, I can definitely get on board just because the offensive systems that he's come through with Jake Gruden and then Sean McVay, they have a history of squeezing a lot out of average quarterbacks. That's a good sign for Denver, considering the fact that if Aaron Rodgers isn't coming, Denver's probably not going to have the best quarterback in the AFC West. Actually, I'm, I'm just going to go say the Broncos will not have the best quarterback in the AFC West, <laughs> probably unless they get Aaron Rodgers. And even then maybe for a year or two, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert's there. Yeah, they so need they, they need to bet the, so they if, even if they if they get Aaron Rodgers they this this franchise needs to be more aggressive to get a franchise quarterback in the draft when Aaron Rodgers hangs him up or whatever if that or if he doesn't they they need to make a Trey Lance like move to the number three number two number one spot in a yep. good draft and go get a guy and and they just don't they just you know. Ah, so frustrating. You see these other teams be bold and that's my, that's my biggest complaint. Well, so there's two parts to this. I've seen that argument for why the Broncos shouldn't get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Like the Broncos shouldn't get Aaron Rodgers because in three years, they'll be in the same place they're in now. Well, they're in that place now. Like that's, that's where I'm at. They're in this. We get a three year break and maybe a Super Bowl title. Let's do it. (laughs) And honestly, even it, I'm ready for playoff runs. Like in terms of like from a, from a foundational and culture standpoint, let's have some fun. <laughs> you, you want the Broncos to be relevant because like those players, even if the, even if the Broncos go back to having a shaky quarterback, having Cortland Sutton and giving him and Jerry Judy and those guys a taste, a taste of what winning actually means in the NFL. I think that matters. I, I think that kind of thing matters. And the other part of it is, if we believe in George Payton and I, I'm cautiously optimistic that George Payton is a good GM. There's no, like, why would you have any fear that he's not going to try and replace Aaron Rodgers when he retires and do a better job of it than what John Elway did when Peyton Manning retired? Because honestly, at the end of the day, that's the biggest problem. I mean, that's the situation they're in right now. Well, they're, they don't get Aaron Rodgers. They're in exactly John Elway's situation in 2016. Exactly. Desperately drafting a first round quarterback, reaching in a bad class. In a bad class. And pff, everybody talks about Dak Prescott, but he was passed like 150 times before he was drafted. So, you know, you can't go hindsight like that. There were three first round quarterbacks that year, and Elway okay. traded up to get the the worst first round quarterback in a decade. Yes. And and honestly, <laughs> so. and that's like again, if we're, if we're going through the scenario where the Broncos acquire Aaron Rodgers, and let's say he's around for three years and he's gone, the hope is that that class is pretty okay, and the Broncos go out and get him, or the Broncos replace him with another veteran. They bring in a guy. Like there are ways to solve this down the road. And again, like with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in the division, the Broncos, unless they find their own Dak Prescott or Justin Herbert, or they're in this situation where. 
you're either going to be a bottom feeder, like the the fourth or third best team in the AFC West because the other two have quarterbacks, or you're going to end up in this carousel where you're bringing in veterans and hoping they're good enough to compete until you find a guy. And I'm, I just don't think this is the class to go and draft a guy at nine. It just isn't. The Broncos had that draft last year and they didn't take him. And that is what it is. But we're not going to be sorry either because Patrick Sertain is a badass. So <laughs> yeah, and, and I have no problem with Patrick Sertain, but I'm my point is taking a quarterback at nine in this class, based on everything I know about this class, it would be an overcorrection. It would be it yeah. would be a oh be yeah, a well we missed on our guy last year. Let's fix it by just throwing darts. And it doesn't. It's not as simple as I just mean, throwing money at a problem. You have to find the right guy. Yeah, I agree, and you know that's why I think Aaron Rodgers is Plan A and. You know, it, maybe we should end on that and just talk about compensation and, you know, what price tag is reasonable and what price tag is unreasonable. So I was like, you, you probably saw in, in our chat yeah. today in, in the group chat where I was like arguing about, you know, they came out with four firsts, two seconds and a player or two to get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. That player two includes Jerry Judy, which, you know, so I'm thinking that to me, that looks like five first round picks and two second round picks. I'm just like five years for three years. Hmm. That doesn't seem to add up, <laughs> you know, cause five first round picks is five years of drafts. You know, well, that's, that's insane. I think the thing you have to look at with the big quarterback trade, like the big quarterback market. Cause I, we talked about this a little bit last year with Deshaun Watson before the 22 allegations of sexual misconduct came up. But back then, uh, before that came out, I said basically anything that, like I would pay anything for it because a franchise quarterback covers every other issue. Um, obviously, again, like his off-field oh, stuff. Plus he's but, 25. But, no, I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. but, but, but his off, <laughs> but his off-field stuff obviously takes that out of the equation. But the difference is, as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson is 25, whereas Aaron Rodgers is going to be 39. Um, so his window is obviously shorter. Devonte Adams is 30. The question becomes to me, if that's the price, if the Broncos don't pay, I understand that that's going to be floated because here's the thing. The Packers probably want that, but realistically, if you are, if you are any other team other than the Broncos, who else is actually going to give up four first round picks plus players that are worth that much? The only one that comes to mind in my mind is the Steelers. Uh, I don't think anybody else really jumps out. Like there might be other teams that would try it. Like, I think the Eagles would love to trade for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think the Packers are going to give Aaron Rodgers to a team in the NFC. I might be wrong, but that's my, that's, I don't believe that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, to me for a 38, almost, you know, who will turn 39 during the season, um, anything over three first round picks, I'm losing interest very, very, very rapidly. So, so here's my um, question with that. Yeah, because, uh, you know, let's go through. So if you don't trade for Aaron Rodgers, your next options are probably Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's assume that Russell Wilson's not available. Kirk Cousins is going to probably cost at least a first round pick. Yeah. Does that feel better than three plus first round picks for Aaron Rodgers? How old is Kirk Cousins? I think he's going to be 30, but I don't have the number in front of me. I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay. So he's 33. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't even, I didn't think he was that old. I thought he was 30. So, I wasn't that interested. To me, if you get Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins, because Jimmy G has probably played himself into a first round pick compensation. I'm going to be sick and, if Jimmy, uh, if they trade a first round pick for Jimmy G. I just want to say it. I will be sick. But 
if one first round pick for those guys gets you adequate quarterback play for a couple of seasons, you can always use all those other picks that you just didn't trade for a 40 year old quarterback to move up and get a top tier elite quarterback in 2024 or whatever. But you, you need a, a bridge quarterback. That's not a, you know, rickety old, you know, 800 year old wooden bridge. You, you want to, you want a bridge quarterback. That's an actual NFL starter is what I'm trying to tell what I'm trying to say, you know, Kirk cousins, I don't, I don't think he's that good, but he's probably middle, you know, yeah, he's a, yeah, he is. And, 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 and this is one of those things where you look at the numbers with Kirk cousins and then you look at the actual play of Kirk cousins, like on the field. And, and I, I'm saying this because some listeners hearing you say that are going to immediate, cause I've been getting this for a week now are going to run and pick, pull up his box score stats and tell you, Oh, he threw 30 touchdowns. How is he not good? The thing with the thing with Kirk cousins is Kirk cousins has been playing in the same offense that, that the Broncos are trying to build. If they hire a Nathaniel Hackett or a Kevin O'Connell, which does make him look like a scheme fit. So that part's good, but he's not as good as the numbers show because he's in, been in a very good system to squeeze production out of quarterback play with yeah, very good receivers. The, he's on an offense that's arguably as talented as the Broncos offense is currently and yes. isn't producing wins. <laughs> okay. No. Um, part of that is the Vikings defense completely has collapsed um, in the last couple of years, but he also has, he just, I don't know what it is. Some guys are just, they put up good numbers and just never seem to win big games. Phillip Rivers comes to mind. Um, you know, great stats. I would say Phillip Rivers is way better than Kirk Cousins, but it's same situation where you put up the great numbers, but you just, they just don't come up big in big moments, I guess is the way you put it. And in the NFL, man, that's, that's the difference between us between winning a playoff game and not winning a playoff game. And that's just the way it is. Um, you know, Josh Allen is a guy that puts up um, that kind of, he gives that kind of vibe where he can come up in big moments and win games, but he played Patrick Mahomes and you saw what happened. You know, whoever had the ball last there was going to win the game and, and it was Mahomes. So I want to, I want a quarterback that, that comes up big in big games. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets, kind of gets some crap for losing in the playoffs. Um, but frankly, so did Elway and Peyton Manning before, you know, they had some wild success late in their careers. So, you know, I also he's, think, he's won a, I, also think, I think he Rogers, wins the Super Bowl in Denver. That's I think all Aaron, I'm saying. I think Aaron Rodgers, like, issues in the playoffs. I, I and mean, this is, this last game, I think it's a fair criticism, but I think if you dig into what happened in the last couple playoff games, there's a lot more to it than, oh, Aaron Rodgers didn't play well. Well, yeah. And this last playoff game, I even in my prediction post that I wrote right every week for the playoffs, I even changed. Um, I initially predicted that the Packers would win. And then when I set up the live blog or live live updates post, I changed my, my prediction because of the weather. Um, the 49ers are the run first team, and that's perfect for that kind of game. And I was thinking... The Packers are going to have to run the ball. And against that 49ers defense, I just didn't know if they were going to have find much success. But what they did instead was they threw the ball. And I think that was – I don't know what they were thinking, but well, they should have leaned heavier into run uh, rushing attack. But when I, I think, don't think 
Rodgers lost that game. I think the weather made it an unfriendly game for quarterbacks. On the special teams. And, well, that too. You know, Tom McMahon must have been coaching. <laughs> but, but, uh, but the other part but I just is, think, yeah. Well, the other, the other reason why I'm not super high on like Kirk Cousins or Jimmy G, and I think this – the reason I like the idea of trading for Aaron Rodgers, and to me, it's almost like you trade for Aaron Rodgers, or you just kind of con- you're content with kind of rolling it back with like eh quarterback play. In my mind, is because you look at the cost of Kirk Cousins or Jimmy G. It's picks. You're you're trading probably a first round pick and maybe change, and Kirk Cousins makes thirty million dollars. Jimmy Garoppolo makes twenty eight million dollars. But with an Aaron Rodgers, let, let's say you're paying Aaron Rodgers forty million dollars. Aaron Rodgers makes all the players around him better on offense. Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins, you need the supporting cast to be good enough to carry them. And it it creates, it shrinks your window to really contend. It makes, it it lowers your ceiling of how good you can really be. And if the Broncos are going to do that in an AFC West, where they're already looking up at the other quarterbacks in the AFC West, to me, you might as well make a play to try and find a guy either in this draft, and again, I do not like this draft, or See, the 2023 class. And if that's the case, you should sign the best free agent quarterback you can do, aggressively try and collect picks for next year, and try and ride it out. I don't think Peyton's going to do that, but if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, that's what I think is actually in the best interest of the Broncos long term. See, I think trading for either of those guys is also a ride it out situation. They lose their first round pick this year, but then they they probably trade and gather a stockpile picks for a couple of years down the road. But you know, with a new owner coming in, there's no guarantee Peyton will survive um, that transition. So he's it's I feel like Aaron Rodgers or bust is is kind of the plan. And if that busts, you know, they're they're probably going to try to get Kirk Cousins is my guess. Because he can't afford to pick up a free agent that may or may not work out like they did with Teddy Bridgewater last year. He can't afford to. He's got to get a guy that has a proven commodity. Kirk Cousins is a proven, you know, 3,500 yards, you know, 35 touchdown guy or 30 touchdown guy. Um, problem is, is I think it works for them. If I think Kirk Cousins actually leads this team to the playoffs next year. Yeah, I think but, they're a one-and-done team. Yeah, but the defense will slowly get worse without, unless they get a good, you know, there's, there's a wild card there. I think next year they're fine um, if they stay healthy, but if the defense starts to go the way the Vikings defense to, uh, did, then Kirk Cousins ain't going to be going to no playoffs with this team. So, um, and like you said, a guy like Aaron Rodgers lifts all boats and that includes the defense. Um, when a defense plays for a hall of fame quarterback, they play better. It just you could see it any anytime you watch like old NFL films of, you know, any of the Brady teams, the Elway Super Bowl championship teams, um, Peyton Manning's the defense just plays better for a for a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's weird. It's it's probably because it's a quarterback driven league, but it's just it's odd that 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 you see it more. Uh, you see a defense outperform more when you, when they have a hall of fame quarterback on their side, than than if they don't. So by the next week, I would mm-hmm. assume that either there will be a new coach or the interviews will have wrapped up and we'll have a very clear picture of who is the favorite, but a gun to your head right now, who is going to be the next coach of the Broncos? I think it's going to be Nathaniel Hackett. I do too. And I think Getsy will be the offensive coordinator. 
and that'll leave that'll leave the defensive coordinator question as our primary topic <laughs> heading into Super Bowl weekend. Who will be the quarterback of the Broncos in 2022? Come to your head. I think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. I really do think it's going to happen. And the only problem I have with it is compensation. Is it going to is it going to hurt? Is it going to be is it going to hurt? to get Aaron Rodgers. Are we going to be paying that bill beyond his career is what I, what I worry about. So, but I do, I think, I think Rodgers, when he, you know, he said two things that made me think that the first thing he said, uh, he mentioned he, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild and the green Bay Packers salary cap situation is a, it's a catastrophe. Even if they trade Aaron Rodgers, if they keep him, I don't even know how they can feel the team. So, you know, I was looking at that today and I was shocked how poorly their contracts are structured to free up uh, salary cap space. They'll free, they could free it up, but then they're going to end up with like 30 million in dead money. It's, it's insane. Um, the Packers so, are one of those teams who, unlike the, unlike the saints, they don't push money into future years. So what they do, they did, they loaded everything up into last year and this year with the idea that like Aaron Rodgers is probably gone in a year rip the bandaid off, have a down year, and then we'll kind of move forward. Uh, but the fact that it kind of closes the door for Aaron Rodgers, because if he doesn't want to be a part of rebuild, it's hard to imagine he's going back to green Bay. Yeah. They said that. And then he said that, um, you know, he's got a lot to consider and he, he insisted he'll make a decision before free agency. So he knows that the trade needs to happen early because, the team that he's going to needs to know if he's going to be part of their team going into free agency. Cause the, the Broncos will sign a quarterback, whether or not Aaron Rodgers, you know, if, if Aaron to. Rodgers in on the roster, they have to go for a free agent quarterback. Cause you don't know what you're going to get in the draft and you, you know, you, and you're not going to run it back with, with uh, drew lock. So, you know, that's, that's just the situation that, so I think by my prediction is by mid February, we'll start to hear things, you know, we're going to start hearing that things are happening. Things are discussed, you know, excitement, you know, that's how I'm going to feel excitement. And it, it all comes down to compensation. I just hope the bill that comes due doesn't cost us well beyond his career. Cause that would, you know, that would hurt. <laughs> Agreed. Thanks for joining me guys again. Uh, if you do not follow Tim on Twitter, go do it. He is at Tim Lynch, 1978. Uh, go read Mile High Report. And uh, yeah, go Broncos. Go Broncos.